Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Thoughtful Talent Show. I'm Jen Werner. And I'm Chad Ahern. And today we're going to talk about the Gallup Clifton Strength of Analytical. Um, Chad, do you want to tell us what Gallup says about analytical? Sure. So Gallup defines this talent theme as follows. People exceptionally talented in the analytical theme search for reasons and causes. They have the ability to think about all the factors that might affect a situation. Great. So we're going to get deep today. So um, I want to start off saying this is not in my top five. It's not even in my top 10. It's my number 14. Um, it's what I would consider a um, supporting strength, but it okay. is my first strategic thinking strength. So okay. I'm going to lean heavily on you today and how this comes out in you so that we can get our listeners some information about really what analytical looks like. Do sure. you want to um, share with us how this works for you personally, how you've seen this play out in your life? Yeah. So first of all, since you shared where it lies for you, um, I will say uh, that it is uh, my number five uh, talent theme. So it does reside in my top five. Uh, I do see it show up pretty regularly in my life. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why you said <laughs> you're going to need to lean on me more than I'm going to lean mm -hmm. on you. Um it is a strategic thinking theme. Um, it pairs very well with a lot of my other um, thinking themes. I have learners, number one, and um, deliberative, as which is more of an executing, but shows up. And we're going to talk a little bit about the, the combo of deliberative and analytical in a minute. But when we think about this theme in general, here are a few things that I would, I would say. Um, first of all, that this theme is always um, has a very questioning aspect to it. And I know when we did our learner uh, episode, there was a question from a sense of curiosity. I think one of the pieces that really is at the heart of analytical is more of a validation uh, aspect. So there's a quote from the, um, from the longer description that goes something along the lines of, um, you essentially question to see whether uh, somebody's idea is valid or to see if it's going to wither and die okay and part and while that sounds very negative part of the aspect around analytical is to see if this is actually something worth investigating further have you thought this through mm -hmm. so that's why i said sort of that validation aspect is is a big part for me and um i you know it comes from uh, it comes out in a way where we're talking a lot about why questions. Why do you think this is going to work, or what data do you have to support your your hypothesis or your initiative or your brainstorm idea? Have you thought further than the superficial? Yeah. Um, and it can be a bit of a, uh, an idea killer if it goes overboard. And we're going to get to the ne negative aspects of this uh, theme in a minute. Um, but it really does come from a place of validation inspired by a sense of care. You're actually looking to see, does this have legs early on so that you don't get so far down the track, expending a ton of resources, investigating something or trying to get something to work when the forethought hasn't gone into it. Sure. So I, I would say that that's, that's one part of it. Um, yeah. There is also the aspect of this theme loves data. Um, 
you know, analytical people immediately start thinking about, oh, Excel spreadsheets or, you know, data analytics when you think about the stock market or uh, finances. There is an aspect to that that I completely agree with. I love myself a good Excel spreadsheet, um, but I think it actually has to go further than that. There's a difference between having vast amounts of data, uh, data points, you know, having all your cells filled in an Excel spreadsheet, but that doesn't really tell you what's going on. It's the finding the patterns piece that is really at the heart of analytical. So it's that, what kind of story can you um, decipher from the data? So thinking again about Excel, it's the difference between having a big, big spreadsheet, you know, thousands of rows and hundreds of columns, the difference between that and maybe a pivot table within Excel. And anybody that's used Excel knows what I'm talking about. Anybody that has analytical probably knows what I'm talking about. Um, it's getting to understand the relationship between the data. And so that relationship then tells you a story that then can tell you sort of the cause and effects. And I think that's one of the um, components I really love out of the short description is that that reasons and causes and factors that might impact a situation. Um, you're, you're looking for that cause and effect. So, oh, if, if this goes up, then this goes down, or if this goes up, then this also goes up. Um, that's the part I think that sometimes gets lost when people look at the very superficial word of analytical. Oh, you just must love a ton of data. Well, no, I love data that can tell right. me a story. If you can't tell me a story in the data, that's not as interesting or help, as helpful as it as some might perceive. Um, so I think that's those are one of the things I found really amazing when I when we first started talking about this is I was thinking like yeah you just want to get all the data, but it's really like your gleaning of that data like what you can pull out of it that's not really like the collecting it and and maybe that goes more to the input which we'll talk about in a few weeks i yeah. think um it there's a, a major difference there like it, you're looking for a purpose yeah. into that data yeah you talked a lot a lot about how this shows up with work um can you talk to me a little bit about how your analytical shows up for you in your personal life yeah, so there was actually that story I had told you in our pre-show about how this shows up in my personal life. And um, that actually has to do with sports. So um, I play a lot of soccer. Uh, I coach soccer, uh, but I also played a lot of basketball uh, growing up and I still try and get to, out on the court. And one of the things I've realized about my analytical is that I love to notice the patterns of my opponent. So in terms of particularly in basketball, if I can start to understand, you know, oh, that person always goes left when they want to take their jump shot, or they always go right when they want to hit their layup. That has always driven sort of a, an anticipation engine for me. I've never been super fast on my feet. So it always has to, I've always had to put a little bit of thought in ahead of time. But that's, I think, a place where it has shown up um, outside of my work. And I think it's a really powerful um, tool that has allowed me to be successful at some of the sports I enjoy. Um, but I also think that's a, there's a really neat power and I'm still figuring out, um, how it translates to my work, mm -hmm. but I've, I have started to notice, uh, myself picking up on patterns of how people talk, particularly in my coaching sessions. So I'm, I'm still working that transition, but I think for people that understand the analytical theme, um, it does come down to that patterns and that it can show up outside of work. So somebody that might be 
you know, listening to this after, you know, getting their reports for the first time and being like, well, I don't understand how NLCL shows up. It might be look at your personal life and where are you noticing patterns or cause and effects first and then be like, oh, that's what, that's where that's coming from. So I just want to put that um, in the show because it's, you know, again, a lot of people put it into, oh, it must be about Excel or databases or whatever else. It can be as simple as noticing patterns in how you act. Um, I think I'd actually shared with you one of the things I always hoped my coaches would do is actually put me on the bench first. I always appreciate coming off the bench <laughs> first because it allowed me to watch the player or players that I was going to, that I'm going to be guarding later. So that when I actually went in, whereas if I was thrust right into the starting lineup, as much as a lot of people see that as prestigious, um, I felt it as, as a, at a bit of a disadvantage because I hadn't had a chance to watch my opponent in action and what it actually looked like. So just a just a different application. I, I'm not I'm not sure how telling that is for our listeners and and viewers, but um, I thought it was worth mentioning. I think it's really interesting because I hadn't ever thought of it in that way. Of like you're you're always collecting data from anything that might be giving it out, right? So yeah. and using that to inform decision making and different things, which I think is really amazing because I you know being having it as my supporting strength, I use yeah. it as a you know, like if I need to get in more information about something, I'm digging through those data points and places that I'm looking for information as opposed to it just coming natural to me. So, I mean, yeah. I can analyze data. I do analyze data, <laughs> but it takes me a lot longer and drains me as opposed yeah. to, you know, using, you know, some of the other things in my top five that just come much more easily to me using that deliberative to find the risk rather than uh, okay. like yeah. analyzing the data. Um, we talked a little bit about, you started to touch on some of, of the negative sides to it, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the pairings of, of oh, your sure. top five. Um, Cause we had, we had talked a, a few things like real, <laughs> one I really loved was your, your difference in or kind of juxtaposition of harmony to analytical. Yeah. And then your deliberative too. So do you want to touch on some of those? Yeah. So I, I think, um, the commonality that I see between analytical and harmony um, is a sense of practicality. So while harmony, and we talked a little bit about this in our harmony episode, um, harmony is often you know, initially viewed as sort of that kumbaya consensus, don't rock the boat. And there is a large component to that. But I think what sometimes gets missed about the harmony talent is that the, the desire for um, decreasing emotional instability is really about moving forward, getting into practical action, what can actually be done. And that's where it ties over into the analytical. The analytical is looking for that validation of, is this a practical idea? Is this pie in the sky or it, can we actually do something? Is this reality? And so that shared practical edge um, is something where, I noticed it actually a lot in my coaching where I'm looking and uh, listening for patterns within what my coaches might be sharing, but then I'm almost immediately flipping that information into, okay, so what, uh, what action do you want to take? What do you want to do next? How does that come out for you? And really looking at the tactical um, aspect of what could actually be taken forward. I don't mind deep thinking. Um, 
you know, and there's, there's a good place for that, but it is also about the practicality and moving forward and what can actually be implemented. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that those, that's a really interesting pairing um, for, for my top five. Um, and then just to add another sort of layer to it, I'll, I'll also share that um, my analytical and deliberative are almost always working together. Uh, you mentioned your deliberative shows up and we talked a little bit about this in our very first episode about deliberative being a very uh, risk aware, not so much at risk averse, but risk aware um, talent theme. And that again, ties in with what analytical does, which is if you're looking for cause and effect, is the effect going to be a negative one? Um, so there's there's that aspect of figuring out what the patterns are and are they telling you about a, an impending pitfall? Uh, yeah. And I think that that has a positive place, but you know when we get around <laughs> to talking about the negatives and we can go right there if you want yeah. to. Um, yeah, let, yeah, so let's. let's. So um, I will say that for me and my personal experience, and I, I think it's something that um, others with this combo should be aware of is that these are two that can very quickly morph, especially if you're not paying attention into analysis paralysis. Oh, the deliberative and analytical. The deliberative together. and analytical together is, um, I describe it as my dungeon pair. So when I got trained as a coach, uh, uh, my beautiful um, facilitator made this great analogy. So we often talk about whether our talents are sort of in their balcony or in their basement. Are you using sure, them really uh, well yeah. and you know <laughs> out in the sun and doing the right things and um, applying them in the right way? Or are they sort of in the dungeon? You're not thinking about them in a, in a thoughtful way. You're not applying them um, in, a, in a mature fashion. Uh, and that's really the, the basement. When you get two themes going to the basement at the same time, you've essentially mm -hmm. built yourself a dungeon. So these are my dungeon pair. Um, I see. And I have to be very thoughtful. Um, that's going to sound weird. I've got to be very conscientious about those two getting together and getting me into a circular thinking pattern of well, what what other risks, what other cause and effect have I haven't I considered yet? Um, and if you if you do that enough, you can kill your own energy. You can kill the energy of others. Um, it really prohibits a lot of forward action. Um, so it actually okay. diminishes what we we're just talking about in terms of harmony and the practical you know practical application of what you're learning. Um, yeah. It. Yeah, it can very much get in the way. Yeah, I could see that, like you you were saying um, in the pre-show that this is one of those ones where you're like, you may be less likely to build relationships with people who can't, who can't like give you the information, they can't prove it, you know, it's, it's going on that no. gut or, or that, um, that ability to kind of squash the energy of, yeah. of others if they really haven't thought it through. Yeah, and I, and I would definitely agree with that. It's when you when you sort of peel back and, and put the deliverative to the side for a second, we're talking about just a sort of pure analytical. And we know that all of our themes don't operate in silos, but if you were to try and concentrate on just this one, I, I would very much see that. Um, and I've, I've seen it myself have an Im negative impact on work relationships, life relationships that, you know, if you get somebody really excited coming to me and be like, I think this is really going to work. And, and my initial question is, well, prove it to me. Why do yeah. you think it's going to work? What data do you have to show me that you're on the right track? 
um, that can really kill uh, somebody's energy and enthusiasm pretty quickly. And so then you've not only got them to play smaller, but you also haven't allowed their enthusiasm to sort of uh, infectiously positively impact a, a team and, and maybe thinking, you know, get us thinking in a, in a different way. Um, sure. So that can, um, that can have an impact. I would also say um, in a similar vein, but almost the opposite side of the coin is um, not, a, not willing to take a chance on somebody. So if somebody comes okay. to me and they consistently show up without thinking it through or without the data, I'm not as likely to engage with them in the future. And that again, I'm, I'm essentially cutting off a relationship or a potential relationship because they're not showing up in my way and mm -hmm. you know showing me the data or showing something that can that can work. Um, so I, I just it's another factor that if there's that repeated again, sort of a repeated pattern, but of a right. different sort, um, that they're not showing up, you know, being thoughtful that can start to diminish my interest. Um, and therefore I'm cutting my, you know, myself or somebody else that has analytical might be cutting themselves off from um, potential relationships that, that could develop if you gave them a chance. Sure. Yeah. Um, one I had uh, that I, that I noticed in myself and then have also noticed in others is um, can get a little overwhelmed by information. Um, like, I don't need to know all that. That's, that's great that you have all that data and you know all of that, but I don't need all of that information or maybe like this is, this is too much. Like I have a tendency to do this too, where I found I need all the information. I need to gather right. it all to make sure that I've like checked all my T or, you know, dotted all my I's and crossed all my T's, you know, get, getting all of that. But I tend to get bogged down in that and making sure I have all, all right. of it and then needing to like regurgitate that out to someone else. Like we talked about that in an email, like, there's an email with, you know, four paragraphs and this could have been like a couple of bullet points, but I'm like, okay, well, I needed the info to be valid, you know, to make sure it was valid. So I'm giving you yeah. all the info so you can make <laughs> yeah. sure it's valid, but I might be doing this to someone who is totally not interested in the details. Yeah. They're just like, just give me the facts. Like th right. this is not necessary. Do you, do you find that similarity too? Yeah. I, I think that's one of the things I've had to tone down in my own life. You know, I used to, early on in my professional life, you know, write super long emails. And it was because I was coming to it with an analytical mind of, I need to validate my yeah. request or my idea. And so here's my backup. Yeah. A lot of other people, you know, it's, it's funny, you've got your background up with activator and achiever and a couple of the others that are a little bit more action focused. And what I have discovered, particularly after becoming a coach, is that there's so many others that are really about just give me what I need to do. You know, it might be an, an achiever responsibility, um, you know, pairing in somebody and they're just like, just give me something right. to get off the you know, starting line or tell me where the goalpost is. I don't care about how you got <laughs> to X, Y, Z. Right. Just tell me what's, what's the next step. So I think that there is a very valid uh, concern there. Um, in terms of interacting with others around um, analytical and, and and how you mod, you know, balance that or moderate it so that it's, right. a, you know, you're using it in the best way possible. I actually- In that Goldilocks zone, right? Right, in that Goldilocks zone. I actually just 
given what you just shared though it actually makes me go, want to go back to our first question a little bit in terms of how this has shown up for you or how you think about mm -hmm. your analytical given that it's your first strategic thinking it's still in your supporting uh themes which means you're you're tapping into it some of the time what does that look like yeah um i, I think i made this uh like Kind of comparison when we talked about this in the pre-show it, it's like my baking essentials or maybe my cooking essentials like i might use the okay. same like five ingredients and in everything so that would be you know my top five i'm using yeah. those all day salt pepper garlic onion i don't know what a pepper yeah. is. Know, <laughs> flour sugar uh, something right yeah if we're yeah. talking about baking yeah flour sugar butter eggs always, <laughs> yeah right always and then right. there's like the okay well i'm gonna make oatmeal cookies so now i need oatmeal so like there's those other staples that are in the cupboard i always have them like yep. I, I i never i'm like when i go to the store i'm buying it regardless of whether i think i need it or not because they're always stocked and in the cupboard that would be like my analytical it's always stocked and in the cupboard Got it. it's there so when i need it i'm pulling that out and where i find that the most useful for me is when people are telling me stories or giving me information. And um, we talk right. about this as like being our BS detector or perhaps <laughs> okay. a, yeah. a, a nonsense, like you're coming to me with something that doesn't make any sense. And it's this, this thing with me, I need information given to me in order. So if you're telling oh, me about the okay. events of something that has yeah. happened and you are jumping from thing to thing. And I don't know if this happened before that happened or what order these things came in right away. My analytical's like, um, something's up with this story. Like, I'm not sure I believe this. Yeah. And then it, and then I start asking questions and the more questions I ask, the more I'm filtering it through this like data lens that I have where I feel like keep collecting these little bits of information. Um, so that's where I see it like playing out the most in me. Like that's that's where I pick it up. I don't think that's coming from any of these. Like I'm, I'm you know, thinking about the way that stuff goes. I'm thinking about my responsibility, my achiever, all of my other top, my top strengths. Don't filter that information like yeah. I believe analytical does. And yeah. so that's where I see that coming through yeah. for me as a positive influence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because just hearing you talk that through, first of all, I was smiling and kind of laughing on the inside the whole time because that, that is very much, um, I have similar tendencies, maybe not the exact same, um, but stories told out of out of order, um, the the bs does this data add up mm -hmm. and i think what that really comes back to when we look back at that um sort of quick short definition from gallup is yeah. um searching for reasons and causes and what you're talking about is you you're giving me the end of the story but you haven't told me what caused the end of the story right and so then it becomes very um disconnected and disorienting and so then you want to keep digging further. And so then that goes to the statement in that short definition, which is you're looking for the factors. Okay, that was the situation. What was playing into that whole story? Right. And so I think you sharing that is, is fantastic. I also love the, the baking analogy. I think it's, you know, I was, I was actually having a picture of you with like, 12 bins of oat um of oats <laughs> because if you're picking it up on every shopping trip and yet you only use it occasionally I, that that was kind of a funny image that came to mind but i think it's i think 
in general, the the analogy is is quite um, appropriate, and I think I, it's beautiful that you're thinking about it that way. And I think you, I think you, I've kind of had it played it both ways, like even like your toolbox and having like your tool belt where you have yep. those tools that you're always using that are on your belt, they're on your person, but you know that you have that one weird screwdriver in the, <laughs> in the toolbox that you can go and grab, you yeah. know, like you have it, you know where it is, it just takes a little more effort to go in right. and pull it out. So that's, that's how I think of analytical and how that plays up, shows up for me. Yeah. That but I think they, there. I think <laughs> I love that you've, you've beautifully described what a supporting theme is. I think what really is, is impactful for people is understanding what that looks like from a, yeah. you know, further down the list um, kind of perspective of your filtering and it shows up when you need to detect whether something is true or not. Um, I think that, that almost black and white, I think that was the other piece that oh, I yeah. maybe should have struck upon with, with harmony is um, and a little tends to have a, these are, there's either a yes or no answer. It, this yeah. is either going to work or it's not. It proves it or doesn't. It proves yeah. it or it doesn't. Yes. So um, I think that's the other thing is if people are starting to think about becoming aware of their themes, if you're noticing yourself going to a black, white, yes, no, if yeah. then uh, kind of thinking <laughs> you may have analytical. Um, mm -hmm. So uh so yeah so yeah, we talked so thank you very much for sharing that i didn't mean to yeah. go backwards to go forwards but i do think it was important for our listeners to understand you know mine shows up in certain ways because it's in my you know very close to the top of my list you have yours as a supporting theme and so it shows up maybe a little different uh we're also two very different individuals so um so Sorry, do you want ahead. to talk about like the the positive ways this shows up because yeah. I, I think we've I think we've hit the negatives and then we've like yeah. kind of segued into this like place where it also helps um yeah at least very in, much so. in my in my in my case in this so yeah. let's let's hear about how this works for you so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tag along uh you know or build upon the idea that you've already laid out about sort of this BS detector um is that I am not awfully uh, often swayed or convinced by emotional or anecdotal evidence. So, yeah. you know, I know, a lot of the marketing materials out there, you know, as coaches, I'm sure you get this same sort of stuff, you get a ton of marketing stuff from other people trying to sell you on master classes of this, that, and the other. And there's very much always an emotional plea of, oh, you've got to do this. It's going to improve the world, all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, just give me the meat. Like, what is actually the impact here of, you know, participating in this course or taking a certain action or investing in a certain yeah. tool? Um, analytical is really helpful, um, you know, along with a couple of my other themes. But I think analytical really kind of drives the, drives the car on this one of sorting through a lot of that emotional um, tugging that people try to do. Um, and the other thing is uh, uh, anecdotal evidence oh. so in one of my previous lives uh you know we would be running events and you know of course you get to the debrief meeting about the event and you know one of my colleagues would be like well i i heard from these three or five people that walked up to us and said well we should have done this this and this better so we're going to change that for next year and my mind immediately goes well wait a minute there were nearly a thousand people at this event we're going to change something because five people happen to grab your ear in the middle of the of the thing Whereas, you know, some of those events we would actually do formal um, surveys for and find out, you know, everything was fine and you just got the five squeakiest wheels 
right. mention what their problem was. Um, and then other times the data wasn't there and yet we're still making changes for five people out of a thousand. Mm -hmm. um, that always, for someone with analytical like myself, that doesn't always sit super well. Um, so I think that sure. there's a, there's a, an ability to not be swayed by that um, if you're being thoughtful about it. I think, yeah. um, I think the other positive that I sort of started to highlight with my basketball example is um, recognizing patterns of behavior. So, you know, I call my anticipation engine, um, but I also think for you know, leaders and, and other people around, um, around some of the analytical, you know, the, the analytical person like myself can start to notice patterns of, you know, what they're doing really well or what's getting in their way um, at times. And so I think that there's, um, there's a great power to it that way. Um, I have also found it to be really helpful. Um, you know, I, I started talking about this in terms of my coaching practice, but starting to wor notice words or phrases that are repeated. So a lot of times, you know, you're just listening to listen and you might not somebody with it without analytical. Of course, I can't talk to somebody without analytical because it's in me. It's part of me. Right. Um, but for me, I'm constantly catching those words. Others, those words and phrases might fly by and, and not mean much. What I have found, and I'm still, I'm still getting better at this application, but um, I have for a few clients taken a moment to say, okay, stop right there. You said that word six times. What exactly does that word mean? Or what does that phrase mean to you? And all of a sudden we're on a different, you know, we've opened up another coaching aha moment because you, I've taken the time to recognize the pattern of what they're saying and then use that as an opportunity to, to open up. So I think I, that's wonderful, yeah. a wonderful use of it. And, and it's great to see like even you, you're a seasoned coach, you've been doing this a while. Like, it's not like it's your first time and you've had clients and, and just even still like investing in yourself, investing in your own strengths and yeah. seeing where those are coming out and how they can help you, you know, in your normal, like everyday life, just everything you do, just seeing it play out. And then yeah. also really trying to intentionally focus on that yeah. in order to help your clients, I think is really amazing. Amazing yeah. use of it. Uh I, I try. I'm not sure I always get it right, but it is a place where the theme sort of on its own has been helpful um, in my life and in my work. So sure. I, I, I wanted to mention that to, to others that might be thinking about, well, I don't love data spreadsheets, but I have analytical. Right. Where is this coming out? It might sure. be in, you know, come out in other ways. So I think that yeah, that's... I could see I could see that one specifically, like if the way you're using it now, if you are, if you also have like high um, relationship building themes where that's probably something that someone with analytical yeah. and a lot of other high relationship building themes, that's probably something they see, um, you know, being able to see those patterns in people and what they do, what they say, and, and being able to use that to help them get to where they want to go. I, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Definitely. How really cool. Yeah. Have you, have you seen, it's kind of, we're kind of moving into this. So have you seen this show up different, this theme show up differently and others that you've coached? Have you so, noticed any big ahas? Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually hoping this might be a place where you're going to help us out a little bit more because in, in the number of people I've coached, I've actually had only a few that have had analytical, you know, in their top five or 10. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the, the most intriguing one to me was somebody that had both 
analytical and discipline in their top five. And the way it came out, again, this is more about, this is actually a, a, almost a, a beautiful combo of sort of data spreadsheets and words. Um, yeah. She had come to our coaching conversation with this massive, she'd actually printed it out. It went across three or four pieces of paper. She taped them all together. But if I recall, she had like each of the five uh, of her top five talent themes going down one side and then going across in one column was, I think, her own thoughts or observations about that theme. So, you know, you and I often do a, a highlighting exercise with people. She'd mm -hmm. actually gone the extra step, taking that information out, putting it in, into one block. Nice. Then the next um, column was something like questions she wanted to ask me about that theme. So those were all neatly organized and, wow. you know, categorized. And then I think she'd left space for my observation about the theme. So she wanted to be able to capture those. And then there were three or four other columns that had to do with, you know, maybe, I forget, maybe one of them was, you know, stories or anecdotes she had about applying that theme so she could talk about it or, you know, tell me how it was showing up. But this whole idea of having it organized in that way, I thought was a really interesting way so that she can go back and, you know, see the connections between what her thoughts were, what my thoughts were, how I answered her question, what the result resulting answer was be able to again make that path from response to understanding is yeah. i think something that uh, comes out in analytical and she just had sort of the discipline to come up with a structure for it mm -hmm. um so but i think it was just a, a very interesting way of seeing analytical play out of she had set up a system for herself to be able to see those connections yeah, that's awesome. Well, it was I, it was I, beautiful, especially from a coach's perspective. Oh, I was yeah. I was like, well, okay, now we got strikes on full tilt now. Right. <laughs> so, well, and and what a like a wonderful piece of information for her to be able to go back to and reflect on and and add to as she yeah. goes throughout throughout her career and really digging into who she is and how she works. Like, what a great piece of information yeah. she has to to pull all of that data together. Yeah. That's really <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, in in you know a similar vein, like so many of the people that I've coached that have analytical high, they're like I think of them as deep thinkers. And, yeah. and maybe it's and maybe it's not a it takes a long time to analyze the data because I think we've we had some conversation about that in the pre-show. Um, I thought from my point my my viewpoint on analytical <laughs> because it does take me longer to analyze that yeah. data. I thought it was this deep thinking means a lot of time to analyze the data that's in front of you. Um, but you shared with me that that's not always true. Right. So I think it could play out. Um, this is my harmony, right? Balancing both sides. I think I think it could take both. Um, there are times where it shows up um, in one of two ways. I think one is what you're talking about, which is oftentimes those with analytical, and I, I'm speaking a little bit more from personal experience, but also from what I've read and from what I've heard from other coaches around analytical, mm -hmm. is that those with analytical can look at a large say data set. Let's go back to the Excel spreadsheet for a second. Sure. Look at all that and fairly quickly understand the relationship between two or three factors. Okay. They kind of know how to process. They, they might immediately gravitate to, oh, I know which columns I want to grab to put the pivot table to make the most sense. 
Sure. That sort of instantaneous understanding maybe debunks the the initial thought you had of, oh, this is going to take them a long time, mm -hmm. or this is super deep. So there is that sort of quickness to action that comes from, again, practice and being aware of your talent themes. Um, that can be speedy. Sure. I would also agree with, here's where Harmony kicks in and says, also agree with something else. Um, I would also say that those with analytical, there is a depth. Um, this is, you know, we talked a little bit about the, in the pre-show of some themes go super broad. I, I yeah. personally, I think of like woo. Woo is very lots broad. Lots of people. Lots yeah. of people, right? <laughs> Breadth of social circle versus yes. maybe depth. And I'm not taking anything away from the depth that people with woo might build with their people, but they Absolutely. are looking for breadth of breadth of audience breadth of relationships yeah. okay conversely analytical tends to have a depth component mm -hmm. it is one it's i think a little bit along the lines of deliberative about thinking deeply about risks um yeah. focus you know being sort of a singular of a singular focus and, and a singular mind um this analytical theme I think shares that same sort of depth okay. and that part, I would agree with your initial statement of, you know, this is deep this thinking. Is this is, this is, mm -hmm. this is going to take time. It's not so much the time component. It's what, what level of thought do you get behind it? Sure. Um, so, yeah. So I guess that would be my response to your observation around that. Yeah. Um, because. The, yeah. The <laughs> other, the other one I had um, and I'm, and I'm not sure if it comes with the pairings of the people that I've that I've coached or that okay. I've been around that have analytical high, because there is that deliberative component that I, I do see and have seen <laughs> paired in you and and in some others that are very close to me. I have um, another pairing of learner with with uh, analytical and I could see where even and I think you have learner high too. Yeah, well, so I've got learner number one. So there we go again. Yeah. So I could see those two coming together and that feels really heavy and really deep to me because you are pulling all of this information, gathering, all, learning all of you, all you can in order to be able yeah. to maybe quickly process the information that's yeah. that's in front of you. Um, it makes me think based on the people I've coached and how I've seen it play out that there's a level of accuracy um, in those that have, have high analytical, that things that come from them are typically very accurate. I'd, I'd like to agree with that just for the sake of maybe defending myself from past decisions. Um, <laughs> I, I think there is a component to that um, I would agree to the point of if you are asking somebody from, from an analytical standpoint around, um, are we making the best decision? They're going to give you the, the best assessment they can with the information they have. Okay. Um, and so I do think, you know, your statement about learner and even a little bit of mix, you know, seasoning and a little bit of deliberative too, mm -hmm. um, that there is a thoughtfulness and a, and a cycle of asking, listening, understanding, ask again. Um, yeah. And that that's kind of your, your drill going down. That's that depth component. It's, mm -hmm. can we keep getting better, better action? Um, oh, one of the things I, it's like those, it's like those little diagrams. Is that where you were going with it? Like, 
if, if you if you open this door, then this happens, and then this, and then, and then there's like the yes or no. I, I don't remember what those things are called. That's okay. Can you uh, are you talking about like a logic tree? Uh, yes, that's where yeah. I was going, yeah. Yeah, so um, there is a, a love of, of sort of logic trees, you know, the if-then component to, I don't know, maybe I should have struck upon that when we were first talking about how that shows up, how this theme shows up for me is, um, and it goes to the black and white statement we were making before of, if this happens, then this is the result. If this happens, then this is the result. And following those mm -hmm. um, on a regular basis. That's that, is, that brings that depth. That's that's that depth and that's that analytical really coming to life. Um, I think one of the pieces that I probably should have brought up with, you know, I was talking about deliberative analytical and being that analysis process. One of the components I have found that might actually be helpful for some of our listeners is a way to break out of that or to figure out what is an appropriate level of accuracy is a sense of time. Now that might come from my responsibility oh, place, sure. but having some sort of understanding of what is enough, mm -hmm. you know, when do you have, yes, you can increase your sample size from a thousand to 5,000, but is that actually going to get you that much more insight on what's actually happening? I, I, I'm not a big statistician person, but I, right. I remember hearing that like even a sample, a state as large as you know, like New York, all you need is like 1500 people. And if you get the right sample, hmm. it's representative of the entire state. And, you know, they've got, I don't know, what is it? Just like 6 million people. Um, <laughs> that's, that's really amazing. But so that, that goes back to your accuracy is what's enough. Yeah. Right. And um, understand what that is. For me, it has to do with a sense of time. You have this amount of time to collect as much data as you can. Give me my, your best decision in that time frame, and then move forward. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's something else that that might be helpful in understanding this well, theme. And and it kind of goes my my point about the accuracy is kind of two sided too because it's about those that I know that have analytical high. They bring forth information that's based on accurate data or what they believe is accurate data. I also yeah. feel like when they are looking for information from others, they don't want that anecdotal information. They right. want the accurate data. <laughs> yeah. And so that was that was kind of where I was going with the accuracy. Okay. It's was... really too it's really no, it's okay. It's because it's really two sided. I, I yeah. hadn't really thought too far into that. That that it really is coming both ways. Um, yeah. They want to be accurate and provide as accurate information as they can right. as is possible <laughs> yeah. in the moment, but that they also want to receive that accurate data as well. Yeah. I would definitely agree with from that perspective. Then we go back to sort of the anecdotal stuff. That's yeah. not an accurate depiction of right. the vast majority of people that might say <laughs> have attended your event or bought right. your product or you know otherwise. Um, sure. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, so we've we've talked a little bit about pivot tables and some other um, other ideas. Maybe some images that come to mind around this theme. Yeah. Do you do you want to share with us what you have for for images about this theme? Yeah. So I, I'm gonna basically bypass the the pivot table and pivot graph because we've already <laughs> kind of covered that one. So. For those of you that know that tool, great, go for it. That's a wonderful image to keep in mind. I think if I was to pull one from uh, pop culture, uh, the the one that first came to mind, and I, you've actually helped me think about a couple others, and I, I'm going to let you uh, talk about those. Um, but the one I would pick is um, the image of Rain Man 
um, played by Dustin Hoffman. Uh, and it's when uh, Tom Cruise's character, I always forget the the brothers, the two brothers, they're two brothers and I forget their names, but that's beside the point in this example. It's when they go to Vegas and Tom Cruise's character realizes that his brother, Dustin Hoffman, can count cards mm-hmm. and noticing the patterns, the probabilities of which cards are going to show up and they rake it in a fortune uh, before you know leaving the casino. Um, but it's that whole just internal mindset of calculating and figuring out what's going to happen next. Um, it might be a helpful image. I don't know if it's the most helpful, but it's the one that came to mind first. It, I, I was, when you first had brought this up, I was thinking about when he like, dr- when they dropped the the thing of the toothpicks and he knows how many toothpicks oh, were in it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this like ability to like run these numbers so quickly just overwhelms me. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and you know, I, I don't want this th- one disclaimer or caveat I will put on this is I'm not trying to tie this theme with anything on the autism spectrum or any other right, you know no. mental um difference that might be out there it was just that capability the the seeing it's what's happened wrong. and understand like, what it yeah. is um so yeah so yeah. I, I i i do remember that scene as well where you know he drops something you know tells you exactly how many toothpicks and pennies right. and whatever else is on the ground so the the one from um and i don't know how like well known it is but um my husband used to watch the that show the person person of interest um, okay with the with the character um it was ben from lost yeah. um and then jim caviezel was and, his, and jim caviezel yes yeah. and and um ben who is finch in that movie is like highly analytical and he made an algorithm that was able to like go through the like find the patterns in people to um predict the possibility of a violent crime happening and uh, i always thought that was really interesting like that that you know like w- he was so very highly analytical he could like pr- like figure out a way to predict those things from happening and then yeah. his buddy jim jim's character <laughs> jim's could, character yes could could go out and be the crime stopper in that moment but that, yeah. that one was one of the ones that came to mind for me yeah. The other one, when you brought that one up was um, the other one, it was on CBS, uh, I think it was called Numbers. Hmm. And it had hmm. um, basically two brothers, one worked for the FBI, the other one was, uh, I think, a mathematician from Caltech or, or something. And they were always helping the FBI in, at the LA office. And the mathematical brother, it was usually almost always a scene where the, about halfway through, the, the uh, mathematician would talk about some mathematical principle mm. or, or um, theorem that could be applied to the crime fighting or crime solving that they needed to do. And so, you know, they have all these like numbers kind of float off the screen or mm-hmm. off a whiteboard and get three-dimensional. And um, the math is always pretty accurate or spot on. Um, but again, that sort of image of the processing and what's going on and, you know, how can you yeah. find the pattern um, sort of approach um, always sort of struck me. So when you mentioned person of interest, that was then the one I jumped to. Yep. <laughs> I think that's a great one as well it's for those that, that know it. So those, those random TV shows that we watched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think both of them were only on for like three or five seasons. Yeah, not but, very long. I know. But, and they were both excellent shows. Yeah. Uh, so thinking about these the ways that we've seen these work and others and then in the way you've used them is there can you provide for for us for us and our listeners maybe some um 
maybe some blind spots or some places that this might this theme might negatively impact the team either from the team members standpoint or the team leader standpoint can can you share with us yeah. what what some of those might be and then maybe even some ideas to combat that yeah uh, we'll, we'll have to get we'll have to think about combating or, it first uh, uh, combating it, it second toning it, but toning it down <laughs> toning it down um i i think you know in this I know in previous episodes we've we've looked at you know the difference between sort of the individual contributor and the team leader. I think this is one where the the bullet points that I came up with really kind of cross both roles. Yeah. And we've already kind of touched on this because I have a tendency to to do this on occasion, but it's that diminishing the emotional excitement. So if particularly in a team leader role, if you have somebody from your team come to you with this grand idea and they've got a lot of excitement maybe they've even got a couple of the first followers on board um but you quickly start in with well prove to me that this is going to work show me the data how many people are asking for this you know whether it's a service or a good or something um that prove it mentality quickly chops the legs out from any sort of ongoing energy and if you consistently do that then people are going to stop bringing their best ideas to you because mm -hmm. they are going to feel like they've got to do all their homework. And some of the homework may not be able to be done until you actually launch it. Right. Um, so there, there's a balance there that needs to be considered. Um, mm -hmm. But I think if you constantly go with an analytical um, sort of approach, you chop out that negative, uh, that, that emotional excitement. Yeah. I, th I think tied to that, or, or in a similar fashion, the emotional aspect is, you know, we've talked a lot about measurements or numbers and some people with analytical is really looking, can often look at the world through that lens of there's gotta be data. You've gotta be able to measure this. You, you, you gotta bring me something that we can put a scale on, mm -hmm. okay? There are parts of our lives that are unmeasurable. The level of grief somebody is feeling or, you know, emotions, life circumstances. There's not so much like, oh, you're dealing with 12 factors and my, you know, your, your fellow colleagues only dealing with three. So you have it worse than that. That's not how life works. And so I think if there's the consistent attempt to quantify everything in people's lives, whether it's a colleague or whether it's a team leader looking at their team, mm -hmm. if you're constantly trying to measure everything, you diminish who we are as as working human beings or as, just as human beings. Um, so I think that that can be a negative impact of this theme um, when you don't consider what's unmeasurable. Yeah. So, yeah, and I could, I could see that like, like you were saying in the first one, even that um, maybe in contrast to it, you might get hung up on all the details to a point where like if we don't have all of the questions answered about where yeah. this is going to go we can't move forward so I, I could see where in both in both cases it's about that measurable response that might not might not have right. a measure a measuring tool for it there's yeah. no way to actually measure that so i think that was a wonderful way of, of bringing that out yeah Explain yeah I, I i think you know in sort of contrast, what we were talking about in the very first short description, you know, all factors that might affect a situation, some of those factors are not going to be measurable. Right. Um, and 
you know, yes, it's a factor. Yes, you, you know, your spouse or your spouse or maybe one of your team members spouses is dealing with a serious illness, you know, cancer or, you know, um, any of the others that are out there. Um, that you can't really measure the impact that that's having on an individual. You just know it's a factor. Right. The, the, the raw or negative side of that is focusing on, well, trying to measure the impact that that's having on an individual. Or, or assuming it's going to be consistent because right. we, we yeah. have good days, you know, we're people, we have good days yep. and bad days. Good days, and bad days. Yep. Yeah. And everything in between, you know, it's that, right. that scale. So, um, yep. yeah. So without sort of beating that bullet to a, a pulp, um, I, I think I sure. want to probably move on to more to the, the positive yeah. side because analytical can definitely go dark um, quickly because of its depth. If you start going down, you can get sort of we can keep trapped digging. in that hole. Yeah, <laughs> keep digging. Um, what's, the old, what's the old uh, phrase? If you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. <laughs> you know. right. uh, yes, exactly. Uh, so we're so. going gonna to stop digging and start yeah. adding some adding some dirt back to this hole. So when you think about um, the best ways in which, in which this, can, this theme can contribute to a team, whether yeah. a team leader or team members, what do you have to share with us? Yeah, so this is almost going to sound like the opposite of what I was talking about in terms of that emotional excitement. I think one of the best ways that those with analytical can come out um, essentially in support of emotional enthusiasm is, okay, let me work with you to build some yeah. factual excitement, you know, that when you go to, when we go as a collaborative to our boss to say, hey, this person is really excited about this idea. I've already run some numbers. We think that there's some legs to this. Let's move forward. I think that that pairing can be really, um, really impactful. You know, Absolutely. Think, you know, uh, I think about somebody like with positivity, you know, it's very emotionally driven. Any of the influencing things um, that is all about trying to get people on board, analytical can kind of come to that through a different domain and a different perspective and just add. Um, it's a value add. Right. So I think from an individual standpoint, this is where I am in a sort of differentiate between sort of an individual contributor and, and team leader. Sure. Um, so that's sort of from the individual uh, contributor standpoint. When I think about team leaders that have analytical high, I think it's um, seeing and addressing patterns in team behavior. So you, you might start to be aware of those words and phrases or how somebody is always coming to the meeting and maybe being in either in cahoots or in conflict with somebody else on the team mm -hmm. noticing that early taking the moment to address it because you consistently see the behavior um is a good way to get your team to better collaborate sooner rather than later so i think that's one um second contribution would be to better evaluate the cause and effects um of organizational plans and goals and what impact those are going to have on the team so starting to see that bigger picture, we'll see what's coming and then sort of start to be able to assess its impact and then what that measurable impact is going to be and then figuring out um, what the team behavior is going to need to look like to potentially address that. So seeing, again, that cause and effect. The cause is the organization has just made some sort of change in its strategy or in its focus. How does that then impact my team and be able to do that in a rational way um, versus the emotional, uh, oftentimes emotionally charged ways that 
teams start to, you know, scatter, get worried that this focus is now going to make our team obsolete or, right. you know, we're going to have layoffs or um, layoffs or something. So starting to see that pattern before it actually gets to the team is someplace mm-hmm. where the team leader can really contribute. And then I also think the last one would be really to provide, um, this goes back to your comment about depth, well thought out metrics. There are a lot of metrics that get thrown around and it's just sort of for, uh, perceived as well, this is best practice. Mm-hmm. Well, if maybe that measure is outside of the control of your team, that's not really a good metric. Sure. So figuring out that depth of thought before you start to lay out, okay, these are the metrics we're going to hold ourselves accountable to, um, I think is another place where analytical can really think through that cause and effect of uh, what can we actually have a cause on, and then what is the impact of that on the organization. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, I think the, the only things I ha- would add to that would be in relationship to working with someone who has high analytical. So I know you need facts and data. I know you're like, if, if you and I are working together and I bring you a harebrained idea, um, I know I'm going to need to probably think through a few things. Like you're going to ask me some questions. So I need to have some information to back that up. But if I'm really excited, I want you on board with me. So knowing that you can pull your analytical teammate in to help you find some of that data, because you might not be able to, you might not have what it takes to find even the information to get to some of the answers that your analytical teammate might be asking, but there are ways, there are ways to get that. And if you bring that, that analytical teammate in with you, who is going to help like think through some of these questions and maybe work out, okay, well, we can't do it that way, but. (laughs) If we, you know, just, you know, do this, you know, this little change, we may, we can get, you know, a few steps forward. Yeah. So I think really thinking about it in that like teaming perspective of, of pulling, pulling together our, our talents and being able to like yeah. understand you're not coming from this place of wanting to just squash it. You're thinking rea- reality, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 if you don't mind me jumping in for just a second, Jim, yeah. um, what you said just triggered another idea in mind, which is that oftentimes, and I can't speak for everybody with analytical, but I, I would, I'd like to think that this is sort of a trend that you, others might see in their analytical partners, mm-hmm. um, whether at work or in life, is that if you bring an idea and say, I think I know how to measure this, or I think I know what data. Oh, good somebody with analytical be like, oh, actually, I know exactly what you're after. I know exactly what fields to pull out of our data system and and make that, you know, again, not just get the data, but then also be able to help break it down in a way that makes sense. And they they may also provide the aspect of, well, that's how you're thinking about breaking down the data. I know that our data system or the data points we currently collect aren't quite going to fit that, but we've got these other alternatives because they those analytical are probably keeping track of what data points they can get a hold of if they yeah. so choose. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a little informed on my, you know, in me through my learner that I'm always sort of curious, you know, curious about what else is out there. But I think analytical, you know, those with analytical talents tend to have an awareness of what data points are out there. What are people measuring? What, um, what can be gathered in quick fashion or what's going to take time. 
So I, I just, I thought what That's you were saying was beautiful, but I, it got me thinking about yep. somebody that comes, because I've had that happen in my own life where somebody will come to me and say, hey, got an idea for this new initiative. We'd like to pull this field, this field, and this field out of our data system to see, you know, how many people would be impacted by this new initiative or be benefit from this new initiative. And I go, well, we can't quite do that, but I can do this. Does this get yeah. you to the same place? And be able to evaluate that um, on the front end is, I think, another sort of super contribution that those with uncle talents can can offer. Well, and even just in that example that you just provided, you and I have done that for our work together. Where yeah. I had I had an idea of, well, what what if we pull it from this? And you're like, oh, hold on. And next thing I know, boom, here's a spreadsheet. All the data is there and he's already filtered it out to show me like the answers that we want. So <laughs> it, it's amazing how when you when you pair people together and really yeah. are using and leaning on their strengths, how how amazing you can like how quickly we got to information that we needed just yeah. from sharing of information and, yeah. and pulling that together. So I, I think that one was one that um, it just caught me as being not high analytical, but I do want the facts. Um, <laughs> you know that's important to me at least to get the information and that it's right the other one um kind of goes back to that that best contribution to a team is that um and we talked about this in the pre-show too um kind of that that email that's the gigantic email it might yeah. be more of like a visual of a big book and it's got oh. like the answer on the cover and then here's all the backup data you know and it's a book right. like this thick or something and, it, and all of the data is there but you don't always have to show your work. And that yeah. might be one of one of those ways where analytical might want to see the work, like how did you get there and what is that yeah. data that got you to that answer? Whereas others in your team might not need to see it all, but if yeah. they know their analytical teammate has all of that backup, it can you yeah. know, give you the, almost that feeling of like a, a, a parachute or something, you know, that, that like safety yeah. net that's gonna hold you in case somebody starts questioning it, well, hold right. on, we got all the information that you might need. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when you and I talked about that sort of idea in our pre-show, we talked about um, another image that people might want to keep in mind is um, like a PhD dissertation. Uh, oh, my, bro yes. my brother has gone through yes. that, I have not. Yeah, yeah, um, he gets to hold the PhD title, <laughs> uh, I get to be envious. Um, but it, you know, I remember him basically showing like there's there's a paragraph or two that's an abstract of the paper okay and that's usually what gets put out on all of the the library directories oh we have this resource here's the abstract okay yes very quickly summarizes this is basically what the research is about this is generally how they went about it and this mm -hmm. is generally what the findings were now there's 350 pages of the actual research that shows you their methods what the data um yeah you know, the graphs were and, uh, you know, the rationale behind all of it, and then a summary of what the data actually told them. Mm -hmm. I think that's where you, that beautiful, yeah. like, safety net. Here's the abstract. Yeah. This is what you really need in the email. You need the three-line yep. <laughs> abstract. But if you ask those of us with analytical, we're happy to pull out the 350 pages of research that we've yeah. already done. And it may not be 350 pages, but but <laughs> right. that we're going to bring whatever background work we've yeah. done ahead of time um, to justify that that sort of abstract statement, um, that statement that serves as the abstract for for our decision or our suggested course of action. 
And I think oh. that's just a beautiful yeah. way to build trust with others in your team is, yeah. is knowing that you have somebody on your team like that. I mean, it's, it's such a great thing to know, like we're not just, and even in a team leader, specifically in a team leader, knowing that we're not just willy nilly going here or there, that there's been thought process behind it, that there's like the data that supports that this is what we should be doing moving yeah. forward. And that it's not just a, it's this is how we've always done it. Um, that there is some data behind that information. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I love that, that like that feeling of trust is really important to me. It's one of my, yeah. one of my beliefs, um, one of my core values. So, you know, that, that just rings really true to me is understanding, knowing that like that is one of those ways that analytical yeah. can build trust with others. Yeah. I think is wonderful. So Jen, I know I've done a ton of sharing about sort of my analytical. We've, we've had a great conversation for the last hour or so. Um, I'm kind of curious to somebody that kind of came into this a little bit with more of a learning edge. I mean, you said you, it's supporting for you. You have an awareness of it. But as you think about our conversation today, I'm curious if there's one or two bullet points that maybe we highlight here at the end. I know hopefully if people have listened all the way to this point, they've already gotten some bullet points for themselves, but are there bullet points that you'd really want people to walk away from this conversation with? Um, you know, really, I think it comes back to that not sway. I, I heard it right from the beginning and all the way to the end, not swayed by emotional evidence. Like it, there, it needs to be tangible, real things um, that, that we're looking at. That's what you use for that analysis, that, that you're not someone that I'm going to emotionally sway to do one thing or another based on it needs to be based on facts. Um, I think that there's a, a level of comfort to that that comes through for me that I, it just it feels like stable. It feels like I can trust it, you know, when we can move forward. And I think that's something that that in my analytical team members and teammates and family members who have analytical high, it's it's one of those things that I know I can count on you. And, and nice. I think that's a, a really powerful thing. Yeah. Good. You? I, I would just. Final uh, thoughts? Yeah. So I, I would echo everything you just said. Um, I think one of the, the only other points I'd probably really highlight is that um, it kind of goes to your statement about being able to trust it, but that when somebody with analytical talents opens their mouth, there is, they've already done the thinking. Mm -hmm. This is not somebody that's going to likely show up and start spitballing a ton of ideas that they haven't done some due diligence on. And so while I am an advocate of everybody having a voice at the table, if you're a team leader listening to people and you know somebody has analytical on your, has analytical talents, you might want to scooch just a maybe a, maybe listen a little closer or think about their perspective maybe just a smidge bit deeper um, because they've done that deep thought. Uh, you know, I, I know we talked a little bit about this in the deliberative. There's a depth of thought before we open our mouths, um, and that's not to discount anybody else. It's just there's that weight. There's a there's a gravitas to what they're saying because they've done the background. Well, um, and I think we even had touched on that a little bit in our last episode about activator. There's not a lot of spitballing that happens <laughs> that comes out of anyone with deliberative 
or or analytical. I, I'm, right. I'm going to put the two in the same bucket in this case because I can see my deliberative working that way too. Yeah. That there is there is not a lot of this like just throwing ideas out there to see what sticks. Yeah. When you do that, I hear it and I see it, <laughs> and I want to like reflect this back to you. When you've had an idea, I know this isn't the first time you had the idea. It's been yeah. ruminating back there. You've been thinking about it. Yeah. You've been going through some of those things, and I think that's a wonderful wonderful point to bring up yeah um so yeah that would be my my sort of closing thought is just the the depth of thought that analytical brings is something to be taken um to be used in a very thoughtful way yeah by the team or by a team leader um collectively um as that information is brought forth right so so with that um, this is our, actually our last episode before the Christmas break. So we're going to be off for what a week or two. Yeah. Um, and we've got some, uh, really exciting, uh, shows coming up, uh, in the new year. I know both you and I are working on some, getting some other coaches on to talk about mm -hmm. some themes that we don't have or right. have very low. I guess we all have all 34 <laughs> top themes, but that we don't have particularly a uh, high for ourselves. Right. So we're going to bring on some, um, some awesome other coaches to, uh, to help us explore those. Um, so if you've listened this far, uh, we again encourage you to subscribe and do all the other things, leave comments, uh, leave uh, reviews, uh, but also we hope that you come back and join us in uh, 2023 um, as we keep exploring uh, some more of the Clifton Strengths themes. And also, um, I think we're going to already start talking about some other topics that have um, come to light uh in uh, culture, in the business world, and has have really come to the attention of Jen and I. Um, we're going to be doing some planning around that here uh, soon. So hopefully we'll have some additional topics for, you, for all of our listeners to explore. Um, but with that, I'm going to wish everybody, um, for whatever holiday you celebrate, uh, a very happy holidays, whether it's Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, um, and any of the others. Uh, and a very happy new year. And I don't know if, Jen, if you want to add your own sentiments on that um, before we wrap it up. Just be safe and enjoy your time. Wonderful. So we wish everybody well, and we'll see you back here again in 2023. See you Have a great soon. day.